Good morning and welcome everyone. First of all, happy Father's Day to you. Yeah? Good. I heard a woman's voice say woohoo. Someone's excited about it, you know? Men are like, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. You know, look to someone else around that, that you think is a father. Tell them happy Father's Day. Someone, yeah, happy Father's Day. Very good. All right, we're glad to celebrate Father's Day. It's a, it's a special day um, to uh, spend time with family and to be thankful for such a hard job. Mother's Day and Father's Day. It's not easy, is it? So we are grateful for the encouragement, um, both the mothers and fathers, when we have the opportunity for us. So happy Father's Day to each of you that have the great honor and privilege and responsibility uh, to parents. So happy Father's Day to you. We're continuing in a series uh, that Chris mentioned just a few moments ago uh, called Heroes. And we all like heroes, don't we? But there's always this point of tension in a hero story, and we've been talking and referenced a few times, sort of those Marvel-type movies. But there's always a point in some of those movies, and really in every single story, not just a movie with a central hero in the story, there's always a point of the story when you think and you feel this, this point of tension when the good guy makes a bad decision. Yes? And you watch this story of this hero, and you go, no, 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 no. And you like, pause the movie. If I could just talk to him right now, right? What is he doing? Anyone else want to pause the movie sometimes? I'm like, dude, especially like now, I'm like, this is a little bit predictable, especially Hallmark. I'm sorry if that offends you. My wife wanted to purchase like this monthly subscription, $4.99 at Hallmark. I'm like, Rachel, they're all the same story. He's a hot single dad. He moves into a town, right? <laughs> it's true. You wouldn't laugh if you didn't actually believe that it was true. Like, or, or, or it's the opposite, where like there's this single mom and there's this guy, he's always driving a two-door pickup because four doors is just too much, right? If it's a four-door pickup, you have too much money and you don't need anyone else, right? Two-door pickup, the window's down, country music, anyways, Hallmark. But, but there's this point of the tension, I'm like, I know what's happening next, right? But some movies... I know Hallmark's been a little bit better the last couple of years, so Rachel tells me some of the storylines are changing, right? That's good. I'm sorry. Some of you are like, you're disappointing me. This is about Hallmark, right? I know some of those storylines are changing, but there's always a point in, in a story or a moment when you're like, no, don't do it. Don't do it, right? And you wish that you could change the story, but there's no changing the story. For me, one of my favorite movies growing up was Superman. Any Superman lovers? Superman was always um, one of my favorite uh, movies, and I can hear the music now, how heroic and how strong and how powerful the music is. And uh, Superman, being from the planet Krypton, had his downfall, didn't he? And that downfall, as we would all recall the story, or many of us would recall the story of, of Superman, that the issue would, with him would be what? Lois Lane. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? So, of course, that was, a, that was a joke, right? No, Lois Lane's not the weak point, but often that is the weak point, isn't it, right? Lois Lane was there to encourage, of course. But yes, it was kryptonite. And his weakness being kryptonite, we all knew when he either got close to it or we knew that his nemesis was going to use it to, to get him to, to obviously uh, weaken and take away his power. And even though we saw it, we knew it was coming, it happens every time. You watch the same movie and you just know, you're like, no, not this part again, right? It's like even though you know what's happened, we're captivated by that story. But all of us have a kryptonite, don't we? 
We like heroic stories, but even in every heroic story, in every movie, everyone, whether they're a hero or hero stature or not, we're all the same. There's a moment when the hero makes a decision that's not heroic. And there's a moment for all of us when we fall. So what do we do when the hero falls? And especially in, in being a dad, I say this honestly today as a father, like I want to be the hero to my sons. But I don't always make the decisions that reflect that I'm the heroic dad. And sometimes I may make a mistake um, either through a decision I make or a tone of my voice or a, a choice of, of a word or how I describe something or how I talk to my son. Sometimes I'm not the hero that I want to be. We could say that to our spouse. We could say that to someone who has depended on us that we might let down for one reason or another. Sometimes heroes don't make heroic decisions. Today we're going to read a story in the, in the Bible, and it's about a man named Samson. And Samson was a hero to a lot of people. And he was a hero not just to a lot of people or to any people. He was a hero to God's people, the Israelites. And he was not only a hero to them, he was known as a judge. And for 20 plus years, he was looked at. Now, that's a long time, right? This isn't a two-year stint or a four-year stint in the office, right? He was the judge of Israel for more than 20 years. He was looked to, revered to, honored, and respected. And one of the reasons that Samson was honored and respected was because of the favor that he found, number one, with God, and the favor that he found also because of the incredible strength that he had. And the Bible says that he was a Nazarite, and he had a vow um, as from a young boy and that vow in Nazarite meant several different things for him. But one of the interesting things that Samson, you may recall from the story, those some of you may know the story, others of you may not, but one of the incredible things that represented his strength was his, anybody? His hair, right? Fabio, I mean, Samson, just picture this long hair, right? I mean, he was big, he was strong, he had long hair. If that's going for you, good. Um, but there's this story, this incredible story that... I, a hero falls. And many of our even biblical heroes, that we could start the beginning of the Bible and kind of trace our way throughout the Bible and mention men and women who had favor with God, who were honored by God, and who were loved and respected and honored by all of their peers, and some of them by the entire nation. They were a household name of sorts. People loved these men and women throughout the Bible, but almost every single story has a turning point in all of these heroes' life. They all had a downfall. In fact, when you're a hero, not everyone loves you, right? In fact, even like Superman, Spider-Man, you read and watch these movies, you're like, how could anyone print an article on this guy and say that he's not for the city, right? And you're watching these movies, like, why can't you, why don't you like this guy, right? No matter who it is, no matter what company they lead, no matter what church they lead, no matter how popular you are in a country or a nation or a family, there's somebody that doesn't like you, Right? So I just, I can't see because of all the heads. Someone just shook their head. No, <laughs> there's somebody. There's somebody. I'm just kidding. Right? There's somebody out there that just doesn't like you. Now, it's hard. It's crazy to even fathom that. But even in, in the midst of Samson and his life, it's not easy to think and to know about why people didn't like him. The reason people didn't like Samson is because he was strong and powerful. And some of the ways that he showed his strength and his power was through defeating the enemy. And anyone who was against the Israelites was ultimately against who? They were against God. And if they were against God, 
he used his strength and his power to defeat and to kill thousands, right? Not 10, not 15, not hundreds, but more than a thousand people. The blood was on his hand. So you could imagine Samson had a lot of enemies. And in this context, in Judges 16, Judges chapter 16, Judges is a neat book of the Bible that actually describes a lot of the leaders of God's people before the kingship started in the nation of Israel. And so in Judges chapter 16, we catch up with the life of Samson. And you'll see this in the story. I want to say this before I read the story to you. One of the interesting things that happened in the enemies of the Philistines is they put up a lot of money. Uh, More than 1,000 shekels of silver they offered for him. They wanted to find out why was he powerful, and if we find out why he was so powerful, what was the secret sauce of his strength, then they could bring him down. In order to defeat the enemy, you have to know the enemy, right? In order to defeat the enemy, you have to understand. You have to not just understand the why behind the what, but understand his strategy, understand his schemes. They knew that he was the leader, the judge of the nation of Israel, that he was, that he was powerful, and they wanted to know why. So they put out a reward, and that reward was more than 1,000 shekels of silver. Now, in today's dollars, just to put this in perspective, that's $30 million. $30 million. How many? 30. Not just one. One's a lot of money. Yes, halfway to a million. That's a lot of money. A quarter way to a million, right? We can break that down. $30 million they offered. And who do they offer that to? Anybody know the story? Delilah. Some of you are like, I know that song. I know that song too. I won't. I know Pastor Chris loves to sing to you in sermons, and I'm not going to sing this song to you, even though I like singing that song to you. Is Chris in the room? Maybe you can come up and sing that song to us. Hey there, Delilah. Samson did not write that song, and she did not live in New York City. Um, But let's jump to Judges chapter 16. I'm going to read this uh, story to us, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. Judges chapter 16 and verse 4 says, Sometime later he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him in to showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so that we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. And that's that $30 million, right? So Delilah said to Samson, Tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, Now, verse 1 says that Samson loved Delilah, right? There's some other issues, and Samson, the the Bible is R-rated. Chapter 16 right here and chapters 14 and 15 will really show you how there are some really transparent, honest, true, crazy stories in the Bible. And that Samson was um, guilty of some things in 14 and 15 that led to the drama in 16. Samson answered her, if anyone ties me up with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now and tell me how you can be tied. He said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes, let's hit pause right here. Is anyone like, that guy's crazy. 
What's wrong with him? He loves Delilah. That's what's wrong with him, right? And some of us can look back and not just look back and look into our own lives. We do crazy things when we're in love, yes? And many of us, not just for the positive, many of us have done crazy things on the negative side because we love, right? Love leads us to crazy places. Samson had made plenty of poor choices with women. And that's captured in chapter 14 and chapter 15. But the Bible says he loved her. And this type of love, the way that it describes, he really liked her, right? It wasn't just that love. It was that infatuation, but it was always that, that also that bodily passion. He loved her. And what's funny is that she says, hey, how could you do this to me? You made a fool of me. He could have said, like, you made a fool of me. But oh, no, he's in love. So we see in verse 11, he just continues down this path. Maybe he thought it was kind of a, a neat thing to do as a couple, right? That's all I'll say. If anyone ties me securely with new robes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So he keeps playing this game. So Delilah took new robes and tied him with them. Then, with men hidden in the room, she called Samson. The Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off of his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you've been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. He replied. Now, a third time, folks. How many? Come on, Samson. By this time, we can only guess. We don't know really what's happening. We can only guess that he's like, I'll show you, right? <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to tell you. If he would have wanted to tell her, he would have already told her. But the story continues. If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of the loom and tighten it with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pen. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep, and he pulled up the pen and the loom with the fabric. Then he said to him, how can you say, I love you? Now, these are some strong words, right? How can you say, I love you, when you won't confide in me. You won't tell me the truth. This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day. Now, this wasn't just night after night, the first couple of nights, but this continued on days. Days on end, she kept saying, hey, why don't you tell me? 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 Until what? He was sick to death of it. Anyone ever been so tired of being nagged? You just give in. And sometimes you give in, and it's a positive thing, right? It doesn't bother your um, ultimate like consequence on your side. Sometimes it's neutral, and sometimes it's not. The nagging and the nagging. And even though you don't want the consequence of it, you just give into it. So he told her everything. No razor. This is when the Nazarite vow over him and his life comes in. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. Because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw, she knew it was different this time, that he had told her everything. She sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He's told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. The reward was there. And putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. And then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. 
he awoke from his sleep and thought, I'm going to go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him. They gouged out his eyes and they took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they sent him to grinding grain in the prison. Oh, how things have changed. After days and days and days of nagging, Samson eventually gives in to Delilah. And we see the tumultuous result of his decision to share that Nazarite vow. And it was a promise to God. He had the blessing of God. And that blessing of God was always with him as long as he were to keep his end of the vow, his end of the Nazarite vow. And he did until this very moment. He trusted her. And obviously, she was lured away by a financial reward. She got that financial reward. And what happened to Samson? The Bible says, the Lord left him. Now, that is a powerful verse that we see only a few times in Scripture where we see the Holy Spirit, the power of God, had left him. The Philistines understood that day, and not only that day, but days before what Samson had done to them, that he claimed and everyone around him claimed the reason he can do these things is not, I'm sure they did not give this credit to his hair, right? The reason he did these things was not because he went to Planet Fitness. The reason he did these things is not because of his one-arm push-ups. He had the strength of a powerful, holy God on him. And he made that clear to the Philistines. And once he made that clear to the Philistines of where that power came from, then they could knock his feet from underneath him. One of these moments where we see the hero not be a hero any longer, right? Because of the decision that he made, because of the way that he was allured away, he lost his strength and the blessing of God through that power that was shown over him was removed. But what do we learn from this? What do we learn from from this story? There's so, so, so much here. But all of us, number one, we learn this. We all have a kryptonite, don't we? This isn't just a story. We, We could read stories of Moses and King David and other kings of the Bible and these judges. We read about Samson here. You watch these stories. You read these stories in the news or you watch a show, and it's not just them, it's us. We all have a kryptonite. We all have something in our lives that can make us weaker. And the reality is, it's a noun, right? It's a person, it's a place, or it's a thing. Sometimes it's a combination of all three of those, but all of us have something in our lives because of the reality of this being a fallen world and all of us making mistakes. And the Bible specifically calls that sin. A choice, a decision, a thought, anything that's not pleasing to a holy God, we call this sin. All of us have things in our life, people in our lives that make us, not make us, <laughs> that create an environment for us to be weak. We all have something that will pull us down, don't we? It doesn't matter who the hero. In fact, it's just been even discouraging in, in my life. Someone that I considered a hero made a decision several months ago that was very poor. It caused him to have to resign from his job. And I love this man. And guess what? He's no different than any other man in this room. He's no different than any other man outside this room because we all have decisions in our life, both past, some in the present, and unfortunately things in the future, decisions that we make. Because why? We all make decisions that aren't pleasing 
to God. We all have a kryptonite, don't we? Number two, it only takes one person or one choice to just take us down. Now, this is a scary reality. We're not just talking about like a bad thought or you raising your voice with someone that you love and you're regretting it, right? We're one decision away. Think about your workplace. You're just one decision away from losing your job, aren't you? One wrong decision. This is the scary reality that all of us live in, not just Samson giving a piece of information to a woman he loved that then was allured away by money. There's a lot of sin and issues in this one story right here, right? But all of us, one choice, one decision, one thing away from not just losing our job, but potentially losing a relationship, losing a marriage, all of us, just one choice, meaning it's so, so easy we're all guilty. Number three, if you do not remain on guard, you will eventually lose the battle. That's what we learned from this story. If you do not remain on guard, you will eventually lose the battle. Walking away from church, you want to be encouraged, don't you? Right? And you're like, well, this isn't encouraging. Like, tell me something I can do. That's coming in just a few moments. But this is a principle that's true for me. It's true for all of us in this room. If you're not on guard, and we use this illustration of like being in a battle, if you're not on guard, someone's going to whack you, right? And if you're not on guard in the financial integrity ways of your life, if you're not on guard in your relationship with your spouse, if you're not on guard with the boundaries you create in your workplace, if you're not on guard with the relationships that you have outside of your home, one moment, one thought, one decision, one weak moment away from just losing. And you can go 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, and still one decision, one moment away from just a loss. That stinks, doesn't it? We're all so close. And this is one moment. Samson had done so many good things. He made plenty of poor choices, right? It's not that his poor choices started when he told Delilah the truth about his hair and he broke his vow. No, his poor choices followed him all along. But this one choice was different than any other choice before. And Samson found himself in a place of weakness, in a place of vulnerability, a place of regret, And let's add to all of that and just say a place of brokenheartedness. He loved this woman, right? He loved this woman. And he found himself in the midst of a drama, even though he didn't listen to his parents in the previous chapters when he said, listen, you're not supposed to marry someone that's outside of our clan. He did not listen to mommy and daddy. He married someone outside, and even though he was married, he was still looking around, right? There were plenty of decisions in his life that caused him great regret, great brokenheartedness, just one decision away for all of us, not just Samson, right? But how does this failure happen? How does this failure happen? And we look at it, and we say, okay, okay, I hear you. Yes, I agree. Like, I'm, I made poor decisions in the past. Yes, I remember that one decision that made a difference, and I know I'm still there. How do I, moving forward, learn from this lesson? How do I listen to the Scripture and listen to this Bible story and learn from what God is saying today? How, how do I move forward? Failure happens when, when these three things happen. Number one, we have no boundaries, right? When we have no boundaries. And you, you have to talk and think about this for your own self. What are my boundaries? We mentioned earlier that we all have a kryptonite. We all have a weakness. We're one decision away from those mistakes. How do you put boundaries in your life that protect you? The train without the train track is always a disaster, right? The train without the train track 
is and will always be a disaster. A man without a train track will be a disaster. A woman without a train track will be a disaster. A relationship without boundaries will be a disaster. Your decisions that you make from what I mentioned and referenced earlier, from financial decisions to relationship decisions, boundaries matter. And failure happens when you have no boundaries. So that begs the question, what are your boundaries? And how can you put those in your life? The second thing is this. Failure happens when we um, act without thinking of the consequences. Now, I know this is only your children, right? Right? This is only your children. It's not you, right? No, it's all of us, right? We always tend to want to rush in to think through things that, that we shouldn't think about, and we don't think about the things that we really should. And it's hard for all of us to think about that one little decision, to think about how it compounds in the next days, in the weeks, in the months, in the years ahead. A failure happens when we fail to think long-term, when we fail to think how will working late on Monday affect working really late on Tuesday? How will working really late on Tuesday, is there anything wrong with working late? Just give me a quick yes or no. The answer is no. How will working late think affect Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Is there anything wrong with never coming home because you're consumed with work? Everybody give me a quick answer. Yeah, I didn't have to ask the question. Thank you. That was not rhetorical. Thank you. And you answered it before I even asked, right? Uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a boundary, right? And that's not thinking of the consequences. Or we can think about the consequences at, at work. The consequence might, might be, hey, you're doing a good job. The consequence may be a financial reward or whatever is in place, right? So sometimes there's small things that we just, we think about the short term. Maybe we just don't think about the long term, right? This isn't just our children or an immature person. This is all of us. And the third thing I want to mention is that failure happens when we are completely unaware. Now, this one's the, the most scary to me. I think all of us in different ways relate to number one and two, right? Yeah, I've had areas of my life where there are no boundaries, and I've had areas of my life where I wasn't really thinking long-term, and I'm guilty. You could probably just kind of say, yeah, okay, that's me, or connect in some way. But this third one's re really scary to me. Sometimes failure happens when you totally don't see it. Maybe if someone else sees it, and you don't. It's an area of your life that even potentially could be a blind spot. And sometimes that decision happens and you're like, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even see it coming, right? And this is the scary part about our lives when we're completely unaware or completely potentially even living in a blind spot. And this begs the question, how can we become aware of those blind spots? I want to help you with a few more things, three other things that failure is avoided. So we talked about failure happens. What about this? How do you, how do you avoid failure? Failure is avoided when, number one, is going to be easy, when we establish those guardrails. And this week, I don't know if that's this afternoon or Monday during the commute, as long as you're not driving, right? Take a note. Notepad out. Just start thinking about those boundaries. What are your boundaries, Right? And you're going to know which areas you need those boundaries, but you have to establish what those boundary lines are. Now, there's wisdom that you can learn from other people. There are resources in there. The Scripture speaks to, the Bible tells so much about how we can have great boundaries in our life and how we can pay attention to and listen to the wisdom that's offered already, even in books like the book of Proverbs, right? 
but you have to establish guardrails. That leads to number two, when we listen to wise counsel. Now, to listen to wise counsel, you actually have to go find it. The second recommendation, if you're struggling in an area of your life, and you know you need help with those boundaries, you know you need help with those decisions, go find help. It might be a family member that you kind of bring into the circle, and it might be for very good reason, someone that's not in your family. It might be a pastor, right? It might be that you just call the counselor, even though you've been thinking about doing it for a long time, you just haven't done it yet, to find wise counsel, someone else to speak into your life that can help you. We all know, often we know, how helpful it is to get a third party to speak into when some of the emotions of what's happening in the story or the, the, the people that are in your life are kind of removed from it and a neutral party speaks into. Um, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says that plans fail because of a lack of counsel. You don't know why the strategy didn't work? Because you didn't have someone to help you with your strategy. You don't know why the plan failed? It didn't go as you planned it because you didn't seek any help, right? No president, no general, no commander is often the smartest person in the room, right? In restating that, they're often not the smartest person in the room. But they have people around them that can give counsel. Whether they listen to it or not, that's a different issue, right? But to have people around them that to speak into, to provide perspective, to provide wisdom, to provide encouragement. We all need wise counsel in our life, but we won't find it. You won't find it unless you go seek it. And the last thing is this, when we look to please God and not ourselves. Remember, this is failure is avoided when? Number one, we establish the guardrails. Number two, we seek wise counsel. And then this third one, we look to please God and not ourselves. And we'll keep this up here for a few moments as we think about this. It's all so easy to please who first. Yeah, it's what I want, it's what I see, it's what I think, it's you fill in the blank. No matter how selfless we try to be, it is normal, I didn't say good, it is normal and natural to think about us first, right? Often it's, it's just even survival mode, right? Someone hurts you, for good reason, you want to protect yourself. Someone asks a question, and it's easy to do what? Just to answer it how you see it, right? It's easy in so many ways. As we go through every single day, we think about us first. Now, part of that's just a natural way that our brain works, right? Someone asks a question, you think, what do I think, right? Your spouse offends you, you just tell them why you're offended, right? And you're Son or daughter makes a decision, and then you respond with your thoughts and your reaction, not what their problem is, right? It's just normal and natural for us to think about us. But a lot of failure happens when we seek to please ourselves and not others. You know what Delilah's problem was? Delilah's problem was that she was thinking about what? What do you think she was thinking about in all those conversations? Just money. I mean, hello, that's the problem here. $30 million, is, is, is that a problem, anybody? Most of you say, nope, it won't be a problem. <laughs> it was a big problem. And it was the one thing. Not We can't blame silver. We can't blame money. We blame Delilah. Her heart was thinking more about the money than she was about a commitment that Samson had made and his family had made to God. The problem in that story and the central untold story 
main, main public part of that story was $30 million. It's a problem. The $30 million prob- uh, dollars in and of itself is not a problem. could be used. We had a money series in January. We talked about the blessing of money, how God blesses people with money. He blesses people with prosperity. That can be used for good. That can be used for God's glory. But in this situation, it surely was not. She was allured away with getting that money no matter the cost. All of us have something, maybe someone, maybe some place that can weaken us and that can pull us down. But without guardrails, without wise counsel, and certainly without thinking about how can I honor God in this situation. If you wake up every day and you say, God, how can I honor you today? You just ask that question. The day's going to be different, isn't it? If you think, you know what, I'm, I'm recognizing right now, try not to be blind or live in my blind spot. If you wake up and think, you know what, I'm thinking about myself here. I'm going to think, what would please God for my family today? Not me. What would please God tonight for my family? I'm going to think about what, how can I honor God with my life? Samson did that for years by growing that hair out and by committing to not uh, drinking alcohol. One of his things in the Nazarite vow was his decision to not drink wine, right? That was a commitment that he made before God. He was faithful for a long time, but then he broke that vow, giving the wrong information to the wrong person, right, at the wrong time. That was lured away by money. One de- that one decision. And he lost his hair. We all have a kryptonite. We all have a weak moment, don't we? And sometimes the hero that falls is not the story that you read about in the news. It's not the video that you watched. It's not the movie that you watched. Sometimes it's you. And sometimes it's me. Every hero falls. Every person falls. And Samson had not just lost his hair, but he lost his power. He lost his strength. What do we do when that happens? One of the really cool verses found in um, verse 22 of this is this verse. I love this. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. If only this verse applied to my life. Right? I mean, just for me, I'm like, should be nice, Samson. But in so many ways, this verse captures the grace of God. I don't care who you are, where you've gone, and what you have done. Your life is not over. I don't care what decision you made or how bad that decision has been made. I want, I want you to know that by the grace of God, He stands ready to offer forgiveness to you, to anyone, any place. It doesn't matter the past. This is the grace of God, that no matter what you have done, in verse 22, at the end of this long story, at the end of all this drama, the author tends to just remind us, hey, guess what? It started to grow again. That the blessing of God was not fully removed. Just a couple of days ago, I ran to a friend, and, and uh, he wasn't with his family. And he told this story. He said, you just won't believe what my daughter did. So upstairs, we had a friend over in the neighborhood. The friend came over. They went upstairs, and, you know, the room upstairs, and they started to play around. And somehow he found out after looking that his daughter totally chopped off the hair of a neighbor's kid. I mean, totally gone. Some of you didn't laugh. You're like, seriously? Oh, yeah, that happened, right? And so it's like, oh, my gosh, what do I do about this, you know? While those stories happened, uh, Rachel gave me a little guard. Anyone cut their children's hair? Yeah, I didn't think so. Bad idea. I tried. And I was given the guard. She said, just use this guard. Well, she didn't tell me just to use it on the side. I just went over the whole thing. I was like, how do you think Levi looks? I mean, I just shaved it all off, right? 
Now, no matter what this neighbor's friend, kid, right, experience, right, things, things probably went okay there, right? They could laugh about it eventually, right? And Levi, I chopped all of his hair off, and Rachel may not have liked it very much, but that was on a purpose, right? Here's the good news. It's going to grow back, right? I don't know how you deal with those problems like that, but I'm like, yeah, it'll be okay, right? Um, but the grace of God shows up. It shows up in our lives whenever we see and where we understand that, you know what, even though I made that decision, tomorrow is a new day. And even though he lost his hair, it began to grow back, right? And even though life happens sometimes when the, the wind gets really knocked out of us, there's an opportunity to stand and to breathe again. I'm going to leave you with this last verse. It'll be on the screen that this promise was given to the Apostle Paul by God in his point of weakness. The author of much of the New Testament wrote this. He says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Jesus said this to him in the midst of Paul praying through difficulty and turmoil. The Bible says he knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to not have a home. He knew what it was like to be, to be without clothes, to be tormented, to be persecuted. And he prayed for God's strength. And in that moment of strength, I want you to know, it's often in that moment of weakness that God has the opportunity to show up. You know why often people don't think about God and they don't desire God and they don't seek after God? Because all things are well, right? I have everything I need. Family's good. Job's good. Life is good. Life is how it ought to be. That's a scary place to be sometimes because it's a place that we get into a self-sufficiency. But I've had conversations even last week, the week before that, really all the time being a pastor at a church where people are at a point of weakness. People are at a point of need. And it's often in that moment that you can cry out to God and you say, God, I have made a decision or I'm at a point where I really need your help. It's in that moment that God's power can show up in your life because you ask him. So in this last prayer, no matter where you are, I would invite you to pray as I pray. I would invite you to pray and say, God, I want to experience your power in my weakness. And he promises to do that. He promises to show up. He promises to send his, the power of His Spirit inside your life in your moment of weakness. And He's a prayer away. So every hero has a fall. Every hero has a kryptonite. And every person in this room and those listening online and those listening at a later time are no different. We all have our downfalls. And in that moment of our weakness is when we can call out to God and ask for His power to be made known in our lives. Let's pray.